This is the Life of Jesus podcast, and I'm here with my colleague, Ben Greenbaum. My name is Mark Elsesser, and we are in for a full year of looking at the life of Jesus. This is episode two, exploring the life teachings and works of Jesus from the four Gospels, put together in a sort of chronological flow of his life. And Today, uh, Ben, I think what we want to do is just maybe dwell in with some of the, the men. We looked a lot at Mary in the previous episode, but to look at some of the men surrounding this a little more deeply, that is Zechariah and, and Joseph, and tangentially, you know, John, who is the one to be born, the, the predecessor of that, and then Jesus himself. So I uh, think that'll work. Yeah. All right, let's dive in and do that. And if you have your your Bibles among you, friends. You can you can look at Luke chapter one. We'll be looking at pieces of Luke chapter two and three and Matthew one as well. But let's just start off a little bit in Luke chapter one with the the birth of John the Baptist. Now, Ben, let's, let's just do a little catching up. How was the birth of John the Baptist foretold? We did this in episode one, but give us a little recap of how that happened. Yeah, uh, Zechariah's fulfilling his priestly duties, an angel shows up and tells Zechariah that he is going to, that his wife Elizabeth, who is beyond childbearing years, is going to give birth to a son, uh, John. And ultimately, as we see throughout the, the narrative, uh, John is foretold to be uh, the, the predecessor, the forerunner uh, to the coming Messiah. And this is John the Baptist, not to be confused with John the Gospel writer. So make sure that you, you get that clear in your mind. John the Gospel writer was the same guy that was one of the disciples. John the Baptist was the forerunner, and we'll be diving into his life a little bit later. But his story is so connected with Jesus' story that in the, in the birth narrative of the Gospels, but particularly in, in Luke, his own birth is told. So now it comes the time when it's time for Elizabeth, the, the old woman, Elizabeth, to give birth to John. She does. The neighborhood goes nuts. They lose their collective minds. They're sharing her joy. Like here, it's really happened. This, by the way, is after she had hidden herself for five months. We, we didn't really hit that in our last episode. So there was a lot of I don't know if it was uncertainty or is this going to be the real deal? I'm an, I'm an, I'm too old for childbearing. It's a miracle of God. There seems to be a lot of interesting things that are going on there. And of course, Zechariah, he lost his voice for the full nine months of the pregnancy, right? For the full nine months of that pregnancy. And it came time for the baby to be born and then to be circumcised. Uh, what can you tell us about Jewish circumcision customs and the eighth day and the importance of that? And is there, is, is there a kind of a, a, a anchor point you can give us to help us understand the significance of naming your child and the eighth day and the circumcision and all of that stuff in, in Jewish background? I'm asking you because I'm not sure I know. <laughs> <laughs> so you're asking me. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, the, the, what... Uh, briefly, not that we uh, need to dwell on this, but um, Jewish circumcision, a, a sign of covenantal faithfulness uh, in a relationship uh, with God. It was an aspect of the uh, Old Testament law, the Mosaic law. 
uh, that was given uh, to uh, the Israelites. And, and so being faithful, being a, a faithful, and this, this comes to play uh, a little bit later uh, with Jesus, when Jesus is circumcised on the eighth day, and the importance of that sometimes we neglect, but one of the aspects of Jesus's life is that he was the complete embodiment and fulfillment of the law. And so for Jesus to have been circumcised uh, on the eighth day uh, was imperative um, ultimately for serving as our atoning sacrifice, which I know we will jump in uh, in weeks uh, to come. But that's an aspect of the significance uh, that we see uh, with uh, both John and Jesus uh, being circumcised, that they were, that they and their parents were faithful in living in to uh, Jewish covenantal law. And in part of that, it's the naming of the child. So it's, it's not from day one. That's right. It's on the eighth day when the name was put forth, and there was some pressure, right, on Zechariah and Elizabeth, <laughs> some pressure from the community to name the firstborn son Zechariah the second, Zechariah Jr., Z2. That's that, right. That's what they, that's that right. was the pressure that was there. And uh, verse 60, Mama says, no, his name is going to be John. And they, they just ignored her, I think. They, they basically went over her head to Zechariah, it seems, and said, Zechariah, we know you can't talk. And so they provided him a writing tablet, mm -hmm. and he writes it out. To their astonishment, it says in Scripture, he writes it out. His name is John, yeah, because the angel of God had declared the name would be John. And I think the cool part of this is that at that moment, he could talk again. Yes, immediately. It yeah, says, I mean, right, his mouth was open. I'm not talking. Right. And the first thing he does is praise God. That's right. That's yeah, right. I don't know what the first thing, like, I don't know what the first thing I would say after nine months of not being able to talk. But, and you would think it would be difficult. I, I know that when I was very sick with COVID and had a lot of oxygen that I lost my voice and it came back super gradually. And of course, this is different. I mean, God's working in his life and God just opened his mouth. His tongue was set free, it said, and he immediately bursts forth in this incredible praise of God. But there's this, there's this phrase I just want to talk about a little bit. It's like a prophetic statement by the community. It's in verse 66. We're in, we're in Luke chapter one, verse 66. Mm -hmm. And because of all this that's taking place, maybe it's more than anything because now Zechariah could talk instantly again. The community asked this question, what then is this child going to be? Prophetic question. Right. How does that relate in your mind to maybe an extension of uh, the previous episode, but how does that relate to how we think of our children and our grandchildren and those that are brought into the world in our midst when we think, what is this child going to be? Right. We often say, what is this child going to do? Do, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and so often when we consider our children, um, so much of, of our, what we envision for them 
again, is linked to their doing. And we think along the lines of things that are prized culturally, right? Mm-hmm. And so we think of vocation, what will they do? Or, and, and a lot of times we ask that question, obviously wanting the best for our children, but part of that is oftentimes linked to our own pride, to our own identity. You know, seeing our children live into uh, something great um, that culture defines as something great or something that is prized and how that will reflect uh, upon us. And so we are asking that question uh, often uh, in our relationship with our children, at the birth of our children, as we see our children uh, growing up and maturing and we see the areas uh, of giftedness in their own life, oftentimes we're asking, what is it that they are going to do to, do, to a degree where we begin to prize uh, the giftedness rather than the gift giver mm. and seeking again to nurture those lives, uh, to discern God's calling, to discern where God's leading them uh, to serve vocationally or, or otherwise based upon the gifts they're given. And so with John not being named Zechariah, the community is ultimately asking this question, you know, what then is this child going to be? Um, and for us, I think a, a better question for us, um, and as, as we look at our children, is asking, uh, very similar, but asking, who is this child going to be for Christ? Who is this, this child? Who is God calling this child to be? And I, and I remember, and I, I know I've shared this story before, but early in my relationship uh, with Christ and where I really discerned my initial calling uh, into vocational ministry I was serving on the south side of Chicago with a bunch of other uh, college students, and we were in some, some pretty tough environments, and, and every night, uh, the, the, the other college students I was, I was with, they would come and they'd be like, oh, my, my parents are terrified, you know? I told them about my experience at Cabrini Green today, and they're terrified. And so I called my mom one night, and I said, mom, I'm like, aren't you, aren't you worried for me? You, you never express any fear. You just want to know about my day. And uh, she said, Ben, she's like, I, I love you. I cherish you. Understand it would, it would absolutely uh, break my heart to have anything bad happen to you or to lose you. But if God should call you to Somalia to go and bear witness to Christ, and he called you to go to Somalia and ultimately die for the sake of Christ, you were safer living into God's will than hanging out safely on your couch. And those words that she spoke into me have always stuck with me because she looked at my life through the lens of, I am here to steward this young man's life. I'm here to be a steward of my child's life because ultimately my child's life is, is God's, right? He, my child is God's good gift to me for the sake of God's glory. So how am I nurturing that heart to discern God's call, to set my child free, to live into God's call? no matter what it should be, no matter how contradictory it seems to what, what culture would define as vocational success or whatever. And, and maybe that what you're saying is why that very last verse in, in Luke chapter one is there. Because I, I've always felt this was strange to put just after his birth. They sort of give a summary of the next 30 years of his life right. in one verse. Right. The child grew, that's the child John the Baptist grew and became strong in spirit. And he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly right. to Israel. And so, uh, you know, around the age of 30, 31, 
he was a little bit older than Jesus when when Jesus started his ministry. And I and I just that always has felt a little out of place, except when you think about the prophetic statements made about John and who he would be and and what his life would be like, what the trajectory of his life would be. The the parents seem to live into that. And I don't, you know, I doubt that at age three they kicked him into the wilderness. Right, but at right. some point in time they released him right. to go live this this very strange life so that he could prepare himself to declare the way of Jesus when right. Jesus began his ministry. So they lived into it as well. I mean, they had longed for a son forever and probably had longed for a son to, to follow in daddy's footsteps. That's right. To be a, a priest in the way that he was. And John just wasn't that. That wasn't who he was to be. There's another thing, Ben, I just think this is super interesting, and it's, it's up in verse 67. We're still in Luke chapter 1, and it's right before this big, long prophecy of Zechariah, and it, and it simply says this, Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit. That same phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit, is used of Elizabeth or earlier in this uh, story, and it, it's another thing that almost feels according to the way we think of when the Holy Spirit was given in Acts chapter 2. It almost feels out of place a little bit, out of context a little bit. But here we are, there are these people who, even before Jesus was born, were filled with the Holy Spirit. Of course, we see the activity of the, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God in the Old Testament before Jesus. But I, I don't know what it is about that that just struck me, and, and I thought, I'd love to hear your insights on the the filling of the Holy Spirit in their lives and what that means for for you in yours. Yeah, I think when we think about a, a life, even our lives filled with the Spirit, what what is that life indicative of, right? It's a life that is indicative of praise, a life that is reflecting uh, praise to to God, gratitude. Uh, to God. So immediately, you know, Zechariah's lips or, you know, his, his mouth is loose to speak and he just erupts in this, this song uh, of praise, um, born of the spirit's presence in his life. And I think sometimes, you know, it's interesting to me, um, among, uh, believers in Christ, you know, we, we ultimately at the root of our faith is the supernatural. We believe in a supernatural resurrection from the grave. Yeah. And yet so often we have this almost a limiting view or understanding relative to the spirit's work in our life, the supernatural work of the spirit that inclines our heart near to the heart of Christ that ripens our hearts to, to come uh, to love that which Christ loved, that which Christ chairs uh, the spirit as the spirit moves us to offer praise uh, to God. Um, and so as I look at Zechariah's life, as I look at uh, his response um, to the birth of his son, to this eruption of, of praise that is motivated by the Spirit, one of the, the, the things that I consider is that for the believer in Christ post-Pentecost, we, ha- we have this guarantee that we have been filled with the Spirit, that the Spirit is present with us. But I ask the question, is my life reflective 
uh, of that. Yeah. And am I and, uh, am I praying for the Spirit to soften my heart more toward the heart of Christ? For the Spirit to yield my heart more fully uh, to the truth of Christ, uh, because our life is, you know, we we read it in Galatians and in other places, but it's the Spirit that ultimately ripens our life uh, to to live more fully into our identity. In Christ, and so as I as I reflect upon uh, Zechariah's response when he is filled with the Spirit, the real question for me, as a as a follower of Christ, as a believer of Christ, knowing that knowing that I have been sealed, as as Paul says in Ephesians, with the Spirit of God, so to know that the Spirit of God is indwelling me, is my life reflective of this? Is it a life of praise to God, both in word and deed? Yeah, that's a, that's a great word that you've given to us there that I, I think all of us need to heed and, and really pursue that in our lives. Well, Zechariah, so he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he, he busts out in prophecy about his newborn son. So John is born. And at this point in time, we're back now to Mary. She's three months pregnant with Jesus. He, we can learn that from earlier context that Elizabeth was in her sixth month. And, and it says over in verse 56, and still in Luke 1, 56, that, that Mary stayed there for three months. So she, she probably stuck around till the birth. Right. That's my guess. And so then she heads home. It's like this 80-mile journey or whatever it is from the hill country, which is probably around Jerusalem and Bethlehem in the south, back north to their hometown of Nazareth in the region called Galilee. So it's like five-day journey. And there's no Joseph in this journey, by the way. Right. She goes from conceiving to three months prego. Right. And her, her, what we would call fiance, knows nothing about it right. in, the, in the narrative that, as it's given to us. So she goes home and she looks a little different when right. she left. Right. You know, like you put on a few honey. A few pounds, right. And so, so there's just a, you know, there's a little bit of stuff going on here. And she admits that she's three months pregnant. And to say the least, now let's jump over to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 1, verse 18. To say the least, Joseph didn't take this happily. Right, that his betrothed was with child. Now, their their understanding of of engagement is different. For crying out loud, my under my terminology for what we used to call going steady isn't even used anymore in the current culture. They now call it what talking, and then I don't know how it all works. So you know, <laughs> things change in a rapid time period. So if you go back two thousand years, things were done differently in their culture and in their context. And we see that they were betrothed and there was sort of this three-stage approach to marriage. And they were in this middle stage, as far as I understand, in which they were not married, they were not living together, they were not having sexual relations, but it would have taken a lawyer, so to speak, a divorce to break them up. So that's the stage they were in. So when she shows back up, up north in the Nazareth of Galilee and says, guess what, Joe? I have a baby in me and probably tried to describe to him the angel coming as my guess. Uh, 
he was not a fan, was he? No. No. You know, sometimes we have this, this notion that uh, folks in the first century, um, you know, that they were kind of rubes, right? That the idea, like, well, they just were so much more accepting of the supernatural. That, that's ridiculous. You know, I think, I think as C.S. Lewis calls that chronological snobbery. <laughs> so a lot of times we look back, you know, from the 20th, you know, 21st century to the first century, and like, oh, it was just so easy for them to accept this because they saw everything through a supernatural lens, which is absolute falsehood. So yeah, Joseph encounters his wife three months pregnant, and, you know, his immediate response would have been one of, of devastation um, and, and trying to discern then what to do. And, and he could have had her put to death that's by, right. by law, by Jewish law in that day. Right. Or he could have made a public, uh, even, uh, you know, he could have yeah, had her put to death. He could have had, uh, made a public spectacle yeah. of her. And yet we, we see Joseph's heart even in his immediate response uh, to Mary, because we understand why he, you know, if she had, had, had dove into, well, well, Joseph, you know, this is, this is the Immaculate Conception. Um, Joseph, we, we understand why he would have been like, yeah, whatever, you yeah, know, you, you've committed adultery, yeah. right? You've <laughs> been gone three months, you've committed adultery, you found another. Uh, and yet we see the mercy uh, of jo- the mercy of God, really, in many ways, reflected in Joseph's life as he seeks, as it says, to divorce her quietly. Yeah, and so then the, the, the angel says, even that is not gracious enough, Joseph. That's right. And appears to him in a dream and explains it. You know, in the, in the midst of a dream, it explains to him, I, I wonder if we should pay more attention to our dreams, mm-hmm. pay more attention to how God is speaking to us by day and by night, so the angel of, of the Lord appears to him in a dream and explains what's going on, that the child is indeed from the Holy Spirit, and the child will be named Jesus, and he will, it says in, in verse 21, he will save his people from their sins, Matthew one twenty one, a definitive description of who Jesus was going to be. And the upshot of it is that Joseph embraces it. He, he, get, he wakes up, he gets up, and he, he goes to, to Mary and says, I'm, I'm not divorcing you publicly or privately. I am going to take you as my wife. Yet it says, it reminds us, he did not consummate their marriage. Right. Until she gave birth to a son. We know that afterwards they were married and did and had other brothers and sisters to Jesus. Uh, you might call them half brothers and sisters. I don't know exactly how right, you define that, right. but they went ahead and did that, and it and it brings the whole unit on board. So now we have Zechariah and Elizabeth and their son John, and now Mary and Joseph and Jesus. So let's take a look at the birth story of Jesus. Uh, first of all, they they had to to get they're back up north now. They had to go back down to the south. And what's all that about? They had to, um, that's in Luke, where, where is that? That's in Luke chapter 3 or 2, that's right, Luke chapter 2. They had to uh, get from where they were going in the north to where they had to go in the south so that the baby would be born in Bethlehem prophetically. But what took them there? What was happening in the Roman Empire at that time that you can enlighten us just a bit? 
Yeah, Caesar uh, Augustus had had issued, as as uh, Luke chapter two uh, tells us, had uh, issued a decree uh, that a census would be taken. You had to return, uh, in, in essence, to your home uh, town where your where your genealogy, in some ways, uh, originated from. And so they head back to Bethlehem. Yeah, so they're down there in Bethlehem, and there's that. That's the story we're familiar with but strangely unfamiliar with because we have our mindset of what takes place. There's this gnarly old mean right. innkeeper who's right. got a broom and he's sweeping the front porch and he says, there's no room in here for pregnant people and, and all that kind of thing. But really the scripture doesn't say that directly when Jesus is, is born. And um, I think what I'd like to do, if it's okay with you, is Let's not rush through the birth of Jesus. Sure. Let's uh, save that for our next podcast, and we'll we'll jump in with that story. Does that sound like a a fair deal? That sounds like a great idea. And then we'll also look at maybe some of the responses, the reactions from the the shepherds and from people who were servants in the temple, and and those kind of things at who Jesus was and who he was going to be. Just a reminder: if you want to jump in deeper. Go to our church's website, fishersumc.org, and click on the Life of Jesus link. That will help you out, or find the, the church's app, and that will get you there as well. And there we have a number of elements that are part of this year-long Life of Jesus study, things like daily readings and devotions and poems. You can also take a look or listen to the weekly sermon or the small group study or any kind of other things that we, we might come up with, and that, to really dive deeply into the life of Jesus. Sounds great. We'll see you next week. All right, take care. Mm-hmm.